Welcome to the Wine Draws podcast, an exploration into the world of wine from the grape to the glass. I am your host, Renee, and an avid wine enthusiast. The Wine Draws intent is to bring topics, tips, and alluring conversation about all things wine from the grape to the glass. This is our final podcast for this season. We will be back later with bigger and better things. Uh, today, again, I'm here with good people. I'm here with my co-host, Taylor. I'm here with my go-to person, knowledge-wise, Khalid, um, who's also in the field of becoming a connoisseur. And you have me, the enthusiast. Um, Renee, so this evening I've brought together a few things. I've brought together wine, um, I've brought together some decadent red wine brownies, um, some strawberries that are marinating in the Madeira that I cooked the brownies in, <laughs> and some popcorn that I found that is made with real wine. Um, and it comes in different flavors like champagne, Pinot Noir, Rosé, and we have the Rosé with us today. So we have a smorgasbord of wine stuff going on here. Um, so there's a couple of things that I want us to talk about. Oh, and I got chocolate too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's a couple of things that I would like us to have a conversation about today. and so. Um, I first want to start off with talking about wine and the topic of how does places get their name. Is that what we were talking about, Taylor? Yeah, so like like a, like champagne mm -hmm. has to be made in champagne. In champagne, correct. And so the, my question was, are there any other kinds of wine that have to be made in a specific place to be called whatever that is. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and if so, why is that? That is actually an amazing question. And it kind of, when I'm doing wine classes, that's one thing I use to kind of draw the first kind of line in the sand between kind of two categories. If you buy wine made in America, the, usually the biggest thing on the label, just like this one, is the winemaker, right? Um, then the grape, and where it's from is the smallest. In the quote-unquote old world, and we're talking about France, Italy, Spain, Portugal mostly, the wines, most of the bottles won't even have the grape listed. And the wine, the winemaker or the chateau will be second, but the first will be where it's from because there's such a thing of like pride and the word of terroir, kind of of the place. With wines from the old world, they say it's more the hand of God. And in America, it's the hand of man. We can leverage, as long as we have a good climate, we can leverage technology. We can go grow good Chardonnay in north of California, south of California. In Burgundy, Chateau and Pinot Noir flourish in Bordeaux, Cabernet flourishes. There's a good chance you couldn't do the same things you could do if you kind of transpose them. 
the place of wine is so much more important in Europe. Um, again, Burgundy. We know. I knew it first as a color of a shirt and color of some Timberland boots that I wanted when I went to high school. That's all I remember you know? as a color that I um, really enjoy in the fall. That's right. But it's it's a place, and kind of what they're saying on the bottle is, we don't need to tell you the grape because you better know the grape. But if you don't know, you better ask somebody because we've done this one thing and we've been doing it for centuries, and this is how we do. So with old world wine, some of the labels can be hard to read because you don't know if you're reading. And when I give old world wines to people, they'll be like, I'll be like, this is um, a Vernaccio di San Gimignano. They're like, so what is it? Is it a San Gimignano? Is it a Vernaccio? Which is it? That would be my question. Yeah. There's a lot of decoding that has to happen with wine from Europe. I suggest everybody download a wine map. And I'm good. So you go region, then you have Appalachian. Then smaller than that, you'll have some places that have grand appellations listed within there where the vines are even older and more prestigious. Then within that, you'll have certain vineyard lots that are famous where so it gets down to somewhere like there's probably a few wineries that's like this, the, the plot on the fields the size of this room is where these grapes come from that are that much, kind, that much better. You know what? This thing has it here. This, um, we so have, this uh, one we talk about yeah. um, Champagne, mm -hmm. which is yep. a region yep. within a within country. France, exactly. Right, region within and France. so therefore they have said our grapes are top notch, mm -hmm. and we can differentiate yep. our grapes here than um, something someplace else. Right. Right. And, and so Prosecco is never going to taste like, like champagne. champagne. But Prosecco is good. I right? love it. Yeah, I love it. I actually, um, for Mother's Day, I posted on my Instagram, there's something called St. Hilaire. And it's, St. Hilaire is like 100 miles north of Champagne. The wines reflect similarly. The St. Hilaire is 14 bucks a bottle. And I've never given it to a Champagne lover that was not insanely in love with it. Like it is in America, what happens with a name? You pay a name tax. We know the sneakers that people pay $700 for, the fakes that they pay $40 for, from the same factories. Um, the name, I feel, especially in Europe, especially in the old world, highly inflates the prices over and above the value of what's in the bottle. Everybody I know that goes to Europe, they say they go to like these little bistros. I've still never been across the pond. I'm just, I try to drink my way across the pond. <laughs> you and me both. You know, but they say they go to these little places and they get wine for like $3 from a plastic milk jug and it tastes better than anything they have here. I think we've been getting fooled by Europe. I'm talking to you, Europe. <laughs> they, I think they send us their crap and keep the good stuff for themselves. And sell it for really cheap. There like, you go. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, so, and in that same vein, I am a Zinfandel person, yeah. um, but I only like Zinfandel from Lodi. Okay, okay? right, right. And I also know that um, Zinfandel in Italy is Primavito? Um, Primitivo, yeah, you got Primitivo. it. Okay, so, and so we could not put that label on our Zinfandel. Right. Like, they can put, and they can't put Zinfandel on there. Bingo. Okay. And there, what I find in Europe, and this is one thing I've always seen in kind of the old world that I've liked. There's a, if this were Europe, 
James Brown would be a government designation protected by the government because he was important to the art and history of the country. Okay. There, Valid. you can right exactly. It is from exactly. Yes. Uh, yes. You can't if you put the wrong label on cheese in France, they can find you and arrest you because they make this or that cheese the same way from this area, from these cows, in this process. Um, wines from Burgundy have to be made up of X amount of grapes from said area. Wines from Bordeaux is kind of the craziest. They have something called the classification. There's 155 different chateaux from first to fifth growth. It can only be made up of five grapes, primarily Cabernet. It all has to be um, made on chateau. And the whole idea of a chateau where it's like you have farm, the winemaking facility, and where the people live. I've always thought that was cool. It's like the, this is like these people's lives where they don't, they never retire. They make wine till they die, pretty much. And, and day and night, everything they do is surrounding. In Italy, it's called the Denominazione e Controllata, DOC. Same thing in France, the DOC. Um, and that's the kind of government agency that um, gives these de designations. Um, there's one called Chateauneuf du Pop, and every bottle has this crazy design right on the glass. And if it doesn't have that, it's not from Chateauneuf du Pop. Um, so why is all that important? And with us as, you know, consumers, sure. just enthusiasts, is there something that, you know, and how do we know we're actually getting that and that's inside the bottle? You know, so... I think if you get over $1,000, you better pray. There was a... A movie called, I think it was Bottle Shock or Matter of Taste, and this dude auctioned off high-priced Bordeaux and Burgundy wine, and then they went in his house and they saw the label maker mm -hmm. and the bottles, mm -hmm. and he started blending other stuff. He had put something like $20 million of fake wine into the market. Mm -hmm. So what it means for a consumer, um, this is a great example. So somebody, let's say I got a bottle shop, somebody says, I like Pinot Noir. Okay, well, do you like Burgundy-style Pinot Noir? The Burgundy style is always going to be more earthy, less fruity, more complex. The California style is going to be less complex, but more fruity and yummy. Um, what's another good example? But those are who we are, and we're drinking it, you know? Sure. And, and, and we, and it's the type of thing that's like, yeah, you know what? We were just talking about that's that also. It's like, can't come and ask me, um, what do you smell or what do you sure, taste? Sure, that makes sense. Because, I don't know, give right, it to right. me, let me tell you. And there I'll, you go. And also, don't dispute what I said, I smell. You know what that I mean? is it's one of my biggest pet peeves. Everybody, everything is subjective. Right. You know, right. I don't know what a strawberry tastes like to you or to you. You know what I mean? And I guarantee it tastes different to all of us. I find with wine the problem of pretense. You know what I mean? This is considered dry, this is considered minerally, this is considered rich or big, and it all kind of, I, to me it comes down to whichever reviewer of the moment kind of blesses whatever wine with their words. People want to go in restaurants and then buy it and have people see them with the bottles, right. and the bottles get high ratings and everybody wants them. I always tell people, if it's your first glass or your thousandth, your palate makes you your own best kind of master. Now let's say you find yourself Okay, I'm going to New York. I'm going to a restaurant. There's 150 wines on the list. I would tell the person, find out what kind of restaurant it is. So if it's a fish restaurant, I'd probably want to do lighter white wines. 
one place. Just find one place. The Loire Valley, L-O-I-R-E. You go, do you have any wines from the Loire Valley? That changes the conversation with the waiter right away. Um, if I'm going to a classic French restaurant, all right, so I'll pick Burgundy or Bordeaux. Pick just one of those places. What do you have from Burgundy? And always ask by price and never be, never be I tell people always ask by price. The, the, anybody I've ever knew who's a real wine drinker, they always were like, what do you have in this range? Because if you drink, you know, okay, this apothic cost me 15 bucks. The restaurant's got to mark it up three times. Right. But if I see it for 80, we got a problem. Right. You know now what I mean? We both know we mm -hmm. can walk into the package store down the street and I can get that for 9 dollars plus Thank tax. you. Thank <laughs> you. That, I find, is the attitude to have because when people don't have it, what we have is... What well, wine's a luxury item, so right. we're gonna charge more for it. Why? Because it's wine. It turns into Kill this that. like elitist conversation that pe that people feel like they can't participate in mm -hmm. because you associate wine with high price as opposed to wine with good taste. And wine, I this is I kind of consider myself a wine activist because I mean think of the term they say old world and they're talking about France. I I don't know. I'm taking geography and archaeology. <laughs> Um, the world's a little older than France. Just saying. So I was taught by my mentor, he said, you know, wine became a thing of luxury when Britain and France were at war. So if I was British and I was still able to buy Bordeaux, that means I was able to pay the tariffs, that means I was rich. I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily follow 19th century European philosophy. I just don't. I haven't had an issue you know? in a long time. I don't know. But it goes with everything else. What manifests destiny? It's our right to take over the world mm -hmm. and wine. And basically, <laughs> that takeover and what it did all across the world, wine being a hoity toity item, I, I view those one and the same. Mm -hmm. This is a drink of the people. Right. So you it's know? like, it's, it's a, to me, it's like they were trying to put a caste system, a caste system <laughs> on drinking, okay? That classification system is exactly that. And yeah. they thought of it none other than Napoleon. <laughs> that, that, that bastion of, of fairness and square dealing. So, and just like I've always tried to say, I'm just trying to, you know, knock it down and let it become a drink, a beverage, yes. and not a spirit. Like you know, that. it's like, okay, it doesn't have to be after five. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it could be 11 o'clock, and I have eggs benedict or scrambled eggs or something and i want a nice glass of white wine because it's lighter there you go you know um i've then tried to come up with by tasting different wines find out which one i like and then research it going mm -hmm. back instead of saying oh you know we have these france wines sure. and they're old world wines that one thing i don't like though is the fact that um, this new world, old world thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To me, new world is more Artesian. They do a lot more to step on the grape. That and and people who like old world wine. That's it's funny. People who like old world, they think new world wine is like Frankenwine or Frankenstein. They just <laughs> made them, or like you said, they they step on it. They do more to it. People who like California wines, they think old world wines taste like feet and dirt. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's all, like. Sauvignon Blanc from the Wild Valley, one of the best things people look for is for it to smell like cat pee. What? Like, yeah. go with that again. Yeah. <laughs> you, you see we cat pee over, 50, bucks, over 50 bucks a bottle if, if, if they say cat pee. Riesling, it smells like gasoline. 
and um, let's well, not act like anybody like this another gas station. You can take some of that out, you know, mm -hmm. petroleum, if you want to say it that way. Right. You can smell that if you know what that smells like. Mm -hmm. If you've mm -hmm. come from an area or you've lived someplace and, you know, your neighbor up the street used to come down to your garage and sniff the gasoline. Right. Which <laughs> and you walked out and you know what it smells like. Or if you've lived in the country or in the suburbs, you know what grassy, mm -hmm. earthy, dirt. You maybe had cassis before or if you've had a farmer's market in your town. Right. If you haven't, you haven't. Cassis doesn't mean anything to you. Well, it's the same thing in how you describe cheese. Like, so for us, in my family, we used to, like, growing, like, going to my grandmother's house, we would drive by a barn. And we knew exactly where we were in this trip by the barn mm -hmm. smell. And so when I started eating goat cheese, it was like, oh, this is farm. This is farming. <laughs> right. Right. But nobody else would understand what that meant if it's like, you know, like, if we're going to Nana's house, and it's like, I know exactly what part of the trip. <laughs> yes, it is farming. <laughs> and then they take sheep cheese, and it's like, this is this is too much. I can't like it's the same mm -hmm. thing. So if you don't have a something to compare it like to, a frame of reference, right? You don't have a frame of reference. If I tell you, oh yeah, this is gonna taste dry, and it's like, well, what does dry mean mm -hmm. as compared to saying like, if if it makes you like like pucker, sure, sure, and it's like, oh, I know that. Like right. I can understand what that means. And, and I like those descriptions that. the best. I, I've had wines. Honey Nut Cheerios is something I get in a lot of wines. Chocolate chip cookies, I find in a lot of wines. The way Twizzlers smell when you open a bag, that's smelling a lot of wines. <laughs> and I'm, you know, it's, again, it's perception, and that stuff I think yeah. makes it more fun. Right. Um, it's funny, all three of those things I can smell. I, I know exactly what smell you're talking about, especially the Twizzlers when you open the bag. It's mm -hmm. like, yep, okay, I get it. And for Burgundy wines, you know one of the biggest descriptors? Oh. Barnyard. People say oh, there's wines that you get all of that in there, and they say those wines, they're from the place. I have to be honest, I don't know whether I like them or not. I'm supposed to, and the people that were around that said they knew more than me, they said they did. I, who am I to say different? I've been saying what they said for how many years, right? It takes almost so long when you're like coming in the industry. I was blessed with a lot of the information, but the, the application becomes very narrow. You're supposed to have this with this. And, you know, Burgundy is going to be earthy. And Chardonnay should always be a little bigger, richer California oaky. If it's unoaked, it's not great. Well, that's not really true. You know? That's your personal opinion. Bingo. And <laughs> winemakers now can do so much. Right. Sangiovese is the grape they make Chianti out of. Chianti is probably Italy's most well-known kind of wine name. I had a wine from Washington that was made with this grape. I don't think you would have seen that 30 years ago. Right, right. Um, South America, Argentina and Chile. Mm -hmm. um, Italy and France were there in the 1800s right. doing stuff. But one thing they did, they planted grapevines. Now those cultures, the wine to me reflects almost their foods. Spicy and zippy and rich and big. Spain to me is a fun exception in the old world because some of those wines are less about the place because you've got all of these new winemakers using old world grapes but new techniques. Spain and Portugal I find is kind of like the remix of old, old school winemakers. When I have a question for both of you. When you go to 
a wine shop or a package store, right? What is your process for choosing a bottle? A, are you what when you're gonna buy something you don't know, or you're going to get something new? What is your process, Miss Renee? I'll start with you. Okay, but you can tick the list also to the name. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I call that man once and I almost got snapped. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I don't That's know. I don't know That's if I answer. have a process. Mm -hmm. I've been in the store. Have you, I mean, I'll go in, I'll look at the bottle, I'll see a label. Um, I'm not, you know, that old world label type of person that doesn't strike my fancy. Sure, sure. Um, that doesn't catch you. It doesn't catch me at all. Um, so I will just walk away from that. Um, I will know that. We're, I will go to um, wines that come from Spain or Portugal. The region is where I go first. Mm -hmm. And once mm -hmm. I get into the region, then I'll find out. Because now I know the grapes sure. that come from that region, that region. what mm -hmm. the soil is like. Mm -hmm. So what's coming up out the ground. Right. So that, I think, is where I go. So that would make you, that would make you Renee, terroir-driven. You're looking for wines that are going to kind of reflect where they're from. Right. Um, and which, this is the valuable information. That these ladies were nice enough to say, I'm here for my knowledge. People who market wine do a bad job. Yes, and they do a bad job because they don't ask the people who are actually buying the product who matter way more than us in a room slapping each other on the back. These are, these are who is important. Right. I digress. What's so, your process? Uh, I don't look at region mm -hmm. because I don't know. I sure. don't think about that. Do you um, not want her money if she doesn't know the region? Come on. No. You still want her money, I'm right? I'm probably a marketer's dream. <laughs> yeah. Like, she don't know nothing. Like, just give her something. You would think, you would think, but it seems like there's this hurdle. To me, if some right, if someone doesn't know something, that should be the person you want to sell to. Right. Why it seems like they just want to close their doors. That's exactly what it is. Because it's not about the person. It's not about the consumer at that point. It's exactly. about, this mm -hmm. is what we do, and I do not care right. about who else comes in. Because this group, I already have it solidified. Um, so when I go in, honestly, very important. I tell anybody. Listen, there are mm -hmm. the days I, I when I say I splurged on a bottle of wine, it is not that much money. Um, but I mean, I've also had very good cheap wines mm -hmm. that for me inexpensive. And if I have had very good inexpensive wine. Budget friendly, if you will. Um, there you go. I like that. And they're different, different types. Um, but also, I like to look at the label, but I also try to see if you give me any information outside of like the Surgeon General warning. All right. Like if yeah. there's anything extra on the on the label, so I can kind of see. I also know enough that I don't like certain kinds. Just like Sauvignon Blanc, I'm not really a fan of. So sure. it tastes very grassy. Chardonnay yep, right. is usually like this one has changed my mind, and there's one other one that has changed my mind. But normally it feels like melted butter in my mouth. Like okay, there are certain things true. that I just know, so I won't use those. But I'm a, I look at labels like 19 crimes. I, at one point I was like, I want to read the label yeah. as I drink, yeah. so I'm going to buy each of these at different times. Have and you put your phone up to it yet? No, no. I put your phone up to it when you get home. I'm so yeah, excited. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited now. I don't what I don't know what happens. Don't yeah. tell me. I'm just I'm gonna wait. But no, I, I look at labels, and I look to see if you give me any kind of, like, extra information. So, that's a good point. More information is better than less. And on some of the more prestigious bottles, they give you no information. There's nothing. And especially now, when it's so easy, 
let's say you put out a wine and the information is going to change every year. QR code. Like, how hard is it now? Well, one thing I've, I've noticed is that I started out, when I went on this journey to become an enthusiast, I started out on um, drinking single variety, varietals. Mm -hmm. You know, I only wanted to drink something that was 100% Pinot Noir. Sure. So that, right. And from different regions, so I could find out what that tastes like, mm -hmm. okay? Malbec, I wanted to do the same thing. So after I got a, a, a taste of grapes, then I moved on to blends. Okay, because yeah. blends was never really a thing for me. Sure. But chili makes a nice blend of Syrah mm -hmm. and Malbec. Nice. Okay. Nice. So, you know, it, it was a stepping process mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. got me to there. I haven't started that trek with white wines yet because I'm not really a fan of white wines. Um, I like the rich, bold type of thing. The other thing that kind of gets in my way is when people say, oh, that's too sweet or that's too dry. So that's a personal... Personal preference. Preference. I mean... Sometimes down to what you're having, eating at the time, you know? Okay. So, you know, it's those type of things that, that label is not one of them. Price point is, um, but label. I was drinking something called Lucky Goat at one time. Lucky Goat, yeah, yeah. I haven't found that, you know. So does that mean that they're not making it any longer from that vineyard? Or is that something that's just... There's so much now labels get kind of pushed out. But I advise everybody, find your kind of faithful friend behind the counter at the package store. If you go to a place at least three times a year, they owe you a little more, Right. They, there should be something personal developed to where you can talk to them about, hey, where'd this go? Okay, it's gone. What's just like it? I didn't like this. I know package store guys that say, you didn't like it, bring me back. You'll get, you'll get another one. Um, because, again, there's just so much. Right. And you can have two bottles that look almost identical. And taste very different. And taste so differently. Oh, yes. But there was something that the person in the shop that they could have informed you about. Right. To me, and again, I tell people when I'm um, working either at a restaurant or at Bowder Steps where I do taste things, if you put on shoes and you wore a shirt, you did your job. It's our job to do everything else. Asking people to come in front-loaded with information is annoying, and if your wine person is asking you to do that, find somewhere else to go. But I feel like that's the, the missing piece. The people that you're handing your money over to they should be filling in those blanks because that's why they're paid and they get enough free stuff, enough free wine, and enough free other stuff that they ain't supposed to get from the companies to know the product and sell or not sell when appropriate. Right. And more of, that, more of that needs to happen. I think one thing, Renee, when you're talking about um, like Malbec and all this stuff, like I always think, and I've said this to you multiple times before, when I was in college, Senior year was when I started drinking wine because it was like, oh, we about to graduate. So at some point, we got to do adult things, and wine is adult. But at, for me, at least, it was like, you think wine, and the first one is the driest yes. glass mm -hmm. of Malbec. And it was just, for me, that was what wine was. It was that or, uh, oh, God, what is it that I don't do anymore? Moscato. You are clutch. And I don't, like, Moscato was like, oh, I'm going to make that, I'm going to mix that with gin and some ginger ale, and we're going to have a nice little sangria. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, don't put that in my glass, please, and thank you. Um, 
But just thinking about like people, how people are introduced to wine, if you're coming at it with all of these like tasting notes and all of these things mm-hmm. and these regions and the dirt and the grapes, it's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Just, put, just put something in my glass. So, I mean, I think that's also really important to think about when you're talking to like a wine novice versus an enthusiast. Versus a connoisseur. Versus a connoisseur. Oh, already now. Okay. Um, I've been told that our time is running low here. And um, there's just some housekeeping notes that I want to talk about. Um, but as I said in the beginning, there's more to come mm-hmm. because this is just the beginning of several like television seasons. There you go. Okay. That's right. Episodes. Put that out there. So our discussion today was helpful. Mm-hmm. It was lively. Um, we're going to do more of this. I would like you to explain, or at least give us the names of the wines that we were drinking tonight. Sure. Um, and one thing that I've also taken, which will be a part of our next conversation, is vintage. You know, like one might be 208, one might mm-hmm. be 211, one might be 219. You know, that makes a difference. So that's going to be our next topic of conversation. I like it. Okay, so um, before you go, sure. I just want to thank... Paradox Studios for for putting this together. Um, You can find him on Instagram if you want to use his services. Um, The Wine Draw is on Instagram also. Uh, We're building our blog and we're starting to build the shop. So tune into the Instagram post to find out more information. Or just hit us up on winedraw at outlook.com if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions on some topics that we should dive into. So I'm going to put it back on Khalid to tell us what wines we were tasting as we were talking. All right, so we started out with, and this was from Renee, and I loved it, Longevity, Chardonnay from California, 2019. This is from a winemaker of color, which is awesome. They're from Livermore, which is northern California and so when we say Burgundian <laughs> we're thinking Chardonnay that's more from the old world Burgundy style than the newer California style and that's gonna be apple lemon less of that butter yes. that buttery mouthfeel it's not like butter. you describe perfectly what they call um, malolactic fermentation and um, lactic milk yeah. right oh that's probably why I don't like mm-hmm. it <laughs> It's got some of the same kind of mm-hmm. enzymes. It's, it, I don't know if enzymes is the right word. I'm not, I'm not a scientist. But we'll give you some of the same kind of mouthfeel as milk, right. and it's almost slippery, if yes. you will. This bottle here contradicts everything I said in the last segment. So we have a bottle. It is from the old world. But this looks like it's from a really cool importer because it has the grape listed on it. The grape is called Vernaccia de San um, Gibignano. The bottle, traditionally, they'd be shaped like a fish. It's like an old school thing. The bottles would all be shaped like a fish. Um, light white wine. I think I get almond, peach, little bit of orange, little bit of lemon, nice dry, amazing with light cheese, awesome with an arugula salad. Um, ramps are in season for a little while longer in the area. If anybody knows a ramp hookup, talk to me. And fiddleheads. Yeah, I listen. I, I buy... I got a lot of green dealers, right? But that's the green they get, the foraging of the ramps and the fiddleheads. This goes wonderfully. And again, I will have people notice, if you can see this, 
The winery is the smallest thing here. What it is and where it's from is positioned so much bigger, which I think is a cool thing because there's such a kind of pride of place. Last fun fact, there's one thing from America that's known, the name is by the place. It's one beverage. Can anyone guess what it is? Uh-uh. Bourbon. Yes, we just talked about that in the car. Bourbon County, Kentucky. Be, it has to be made in Kentucky to be covered. It's, they just changed that. I'm, oh. I'm the nerd. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. So it now <laughs> has to be made in the United States of 51% corn aged in New York barrels for three years or oh, more. They're going to have to put a disclaimer on the program. <laughs> okay. And please well, check out, last thing, I promise I'll be quiet, check out Up and Down Rock and Bourbon. It'll be in package stores near you. I'm a partner in the brand, and it's amazing. Oh, you're supposed to be talking about wine, brother. Yeah. But anyway, okay. <laughs> I want to thank you all for joining us today. This has been interesting, and this has been fun. So stay yes, tuned yes. for the next season, next season. as episode. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time for the Wine Draws podcast. The Wine Draw is produced and distributed by Paradox Studio. My production engineer is Kaz McDougal. And they can be reached at paradoxvision.com. And happy sipping.